Welcome to the Tribe of Testimonies. Here you will find conversations with faithful Native American members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sharing their stories and their love of the Savior. My name's Andrea Hales. I'm Navajo, and I'm glad that you've decided to come and join us today. My guest today is Leslie Ann Curtis. She came to my house and it was so short. I'm very sad about that because she seems like awesome woman. Totally awesome. I enjoyed the few minutes that I got with her. So this is a very short episode, but not because of anything terrible or horrific or anything crazy. It just happened to be short. However, we did get all the best parts of the conversation, so you're going to love it. It's like an abbreviated, sped-up episode. You're just going to love it. So, um, here is Leslie. I am in my home today with Sister Leslie Curtis. She traveled through snow to get here. So I'm really grateful that she's here. Leslie, would you please introduce yourself in your tribal way as much as possible? If it's in your language, great. If it's not, that's fine. Not everybody speaks their language, and some languages are dead. Ours is not dead, but um, the person that I spoke with was always my mother. And she passed away six years ago yesterday. And, um, yeah, so I have lost a great deal of it. But I will say, my name is Leslie Curtis, and I'm from Alpine, Utah. Great. Thank you so much. Would you please share something that you love about your heritage as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ? It can be pretty much anything, story, celebration, a way of life, a ceremony. What do you love about your heritage as it relates to the gospel? Well, not growing up, LDS and none of my relatives are LDS, um, just my immediate family. But the thing that I love about, about my people from my village is how you're never alone, unless you want to be. Um, I remember... Um, acceptance of everybody, even those that, um, that they call two spirits, two spirited, um, they had their place in the, in the village. And once a month, the men in our village all got together and their job was to clean, to clean the village. They'd go through and they'd, they'd clean up around the plaza and they'd clean up just around the homes, any paper or trash that they still do that to this day. And, um, whether it, it didn't matter, um, who wanted to come, everybody was always made welcome. And, and I love that. I remember when my, one of my sons, was was pretty small. My mom had a, a drum made for him by one of the elders in the village, and they brought it to him with some oranges, and he immediately started eating some more in, some of the oranges. And I just remember being so grateful that he was showing his gratitude for what he was given, and just 
it's just it's just little things like that. You don't go into somebody's home, but that they don't feed you. You're you're always fed, and it doesn't matter if you just ate. You come in, you sit down, you eat. You're made welcome, whether they know you or they don't know you, whether you're a stranger or not. I just love the way they look out for each other, and I think they live the gospel in so many ways, and they don't even realize it. I don't know how many times the missionaries went to my grandparents' home, and they always made them welcome. They brought them in. They fed them. They visited with them, but they never would join the church, and their feeling was, we're good people, and my grandma would say, we don't cheat nobody, (laughs) and um, they didn't see the importance of being baptized and you know, we just we just loved them and that i think is is the most important thing to me from the people that i grew up with was that they just truly cared and lived the gospel without even knowing they were living yeah. the gospel I'm sorry, I don't have food for you unless you want leftovers from the fridge. (laughs) I'm fine, but thank you. (laughs) But I love what you just said about how they lived the gospel. I think in a lot of of our Native American cultures, they lived the gospel and they try to live the gospel when, when they're doing their traditional ways and they don't always know that that is, that's what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, So were you raised as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? No. Um, We we were Catholic. We were Protestants. We we were a lot of different things before um, we came up to visit my auntie who lived in Provo for a brief period of time. And while we were here, we traveled to uh, Temple Square. And we went through the visitor center, and of course, you signed the books. And when we got home, missionaries were at our door. Oh, my and, goodness. And uh, my dad sent them away, and they came back, and he sent them away, <laughs> and then they came back again. And I am forever grateful um, to Elder Anderson and Elder Jeffries for their tenacity and bringing us the gospel. And it's it was like we'd been waiting a long time, but it took my dad a while to get there. Sure. And um, and then when as a teenager, that's when <laughs> that's when we we uh, were baptized. Your whole family. My whole family. We were all baptized together, and um, it it was interesting because I certainly didn't dress the standards of the of the church. This is back in the 70s, the days of halter dresses, mini skirts, and I certainly wore all of that. Sure. And um, as I got to know more about the church, (laughs) I'm thinking, I shouldn't be wearing these things. And um, I was called to be Laurel class president, and I told the bishop, but I don't even go to mutual, is what we called it back then. And um, his name was Bishop Love, and I will never forget him. And he said, well, then you better start. <laughs> and so I did. And back then, I mean, you they had pants day. You mostly had to wear dresses and things to school. And I remember hemming down my dresses, and they all had like a faded 
line when from from being up. from being hemmed up and i i was so embarrassed and i thought well you know what my dresses are at least the length that they're supposed to be now and um yeah i it wasn't a good experience in high school there were a handful of lds girls at my church or at my school and, and you were living this is in southern california southern california and they didn't want anything to do with me. Aww. I was a convert. Um, and then the my friends who I had been friends with, who I no longer wanted to be friends with, I didn't want to be associated because of their standards. So it was a very lonesome oh, senior yeah. year. And so I used to take my lunch and go sit in the girl vice principal's office. And she and I just got to be such good friends. Miss Patton, I will never forget her. And I'm sure she's no longer on this earth. I've tried to find her. Yeah. Um, just to say thank you so much for just being my friend when I needed one. And um, it was, it, it taught me a lot about um, what's important because having friends was important, but it wasn't the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was a lonesome time. I was glad that I graduated early. I was glad that I went on to BYU early. And so it just, it, it all worked out, but it was, that was, that was hard for me. For sure. I, you said an amazing phrase right there. Having friends is important, but it's not the gospel. No, I, yeah, that that's hard though. That's really hard for a lot of people. It it was it was hard. It was really hard. And then when the elders had finished the discussions with us, and they challenged us to fast and pray if the church was true, we asked, "What's fasting?" We had no idea what fasting was, and so they told us. And um, would this would have been <laughs> over a weekend, and I had a tennis tournament, and it was the kind of tournament that if you kept winning you kept playing uh -huh. and um I don't know how many times I went to get a drink of water and I thought I, I, I can't drink water I can't drink water and so I just keep playing and when I finally lost I was so grateful that I lost because I, I didn't have to keep running in the hot sun during yeah. during tennis and I could sit in the shade and cool down and and still not have any water but still I felt I felt better that <laughs> I was finally out of that yeah wow and did you receive your own witness that the church was true? I did. And it was so strong and and I knew and it was it was never never a question for me after that. Yeah. How about the rest of your family? Have they they all received their own personal confirmations in their own personal way? I don't know if my parents um received this together or if they received a separate confirmation or if they fasted and prayed together, they've never shared that. I think it's, I think it's just very, um, sacred for them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so then you graduated from high school and you told me you came to BYU. I did. And how was BYU experience for you? BYU was a different experience. I was away from home. I was, um, only 17 and I'd never been away from family. I got sent to Girl Scout camp one year, and I was so miserable being away from my family. And I just, I will never be away from family because, you know, when you're we're on the reservation, you're never without family. You're, there's always somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, 
is very close to my grandmother and always look forward to being with her. But BYU was a different experience. And I remember one of that first week that I was up at Helaman Halls and I hadn't made any friends yet. And I was very lonesome. I was so homesick, yeah, so homesick. I'm sure. And I took off walking. I just, I don't know where to go. And I was just praying and crying and walking. And when we had first come up to Provo to visit my auntie and visited Temple Square, there was a family across the street from her that invited us over for a family home evening. We had no idea what that was, but we sang songs and we ate and we sang. We just had such a good time together. And, um, we kept in touch with them after we joined the church and they were, they were wonderful, wonderful LDS, a wonderful LDS family. It's a Heaton family. And I remember just walking and before I knew it, I was outside their door and I knocked on their door and, um, they opened and I said, I'm so homesick. They said, come on in. <laughs> and they had a big, a big family. And I just, that, that helped me to get past that homesickness. It was an awful feeling. And what was interesting is my husband and I both teach the 16, 17, 18 year olds in Sunday school. And just this past Sunday, as we were teaching our lesson, we had a member of the 70 that came in and wanted to sit in our class. And we already had a large class. We had 17 kids. And then a member of the bishopric <laughs> wanted to come in and be in our class. And it's like, it's fine. We'll just get some more chairs. And there wasn't a spare inch of space. And um, and so he, this, this uh, elder from the 70 contributed during our lesson. And I said, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. And he said, it's Heaton. And I said, after the class was over, I said, may I speak with you a, mo a moment? I said, do you know Israel and Arlene Heaton? He said, they were my parents. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, my name was Leslie Lilly. He goes, I know you. I was a little boy, and you were in our home. I said, you have no idea what your family has done for me so many times. And we just had the best talk. And I just, I just stood there crying because I was so happy to meet a member of their family again and to think oh, he's a member of the 70 and he ended up in our Sunday school class it was just like a miracle just an affirmation that we are so loved and remembered wow I I'm so glad that you told me about that I think that's so great I wish I wish more of us myself included would be more aware of those around us and be more willing to help them so I'm I'm really grateful that you gave that example of how, how a little thing affected a whole life. I love that. Thank you. So you did you meet your husband at BYU? No, we met in the Native American ward. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. That's so Which cool. Which is where we have been going for decades. Oh, yeah. The Franklin Second Ward? Yeah. And how long have you guys been married? We have only been married for um, 11 years. Oh, okay. And And you have... But you have children. I have 10 children, and he has four children. Oh, wow. And so my children are grown and gone. His children are grown and gone. So that is a perfect opportunity for us to be able to be um, with my dad and take care of my dad. Yeah. Well, that's great. So um, you were telling me that you had a career in with the 911 calling. Did. Yeah, as a 911 dispatcher. And did you... 
have any special experiences there that are are um, you know that I you think can share? there are always um, calls that become a part of you that will you will carry for the rest of your life. I remember a man calling me because he was going to kill himself, but he didn't want to be alone when he died. And um, I kept trying to talk to him and, you know, what's going on? You can talk to me. Let's let's just talk, you know, and he must have been in so much pain. And that that's a call that I probably will carry with me for the rest of my life. And another one was a little three-year-old that called 911 because there was a dragon in his closet. Oh, <laughs> and I think I got that the day after this call, which I needed this call. Yeah. And um, and so we sent an officer over there, and he said tell, for me to tell the little boy that he's coming with his special dragon slaying sword. Oh. And uh, it was adorable. And then I heard his mother calling him in the distance as soon as the doorbell rang, and he's like, I got to go. And then he hangs up the phone. <laughs> And so there's there's those calls that I just love and yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. You you were telling me that your father has been in the same area and you got to kind of work with him. Yes. How has that relationship been in your life? My dad? Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dad. My dad is one of the heroes in my life. When my mom got sick with cancer, he retired as chief of police. And he, he, he devoted the rest of his life to caring for her, which is why my husband and I first moved in with them to help care for my mom. And I would get home from work and get her ready for bed and visit with her and get her situated for the evening, tuck her in. And then I'd go to bed and did that for years until we, we were right next to her, my brother and his family, all of his kids and my kids and we were right next to her um, when she passed away in her home. And it was a beautiful experience. It was six years ago yesterday, and she was very much on my mind. And um, just just seeing my dad love my mother the way that he did, he will forever be my yeah. hero. Yeah. So I know you got to go. So... I wish I had more time to visit with you, Leslie, but circumstances have arisen, so this is a super short version today. Okay. But um, I have one last question for you. What does it mean to you to know that you belong to the tribe of Israel? When my mother and I went to the temple for me to take out my endowments, I just, as, as we were going through the session, I just kept saying, Mom, this is like our manta. Mom, this is like our traditional dress. Mom, it's like a sash belt. And we wear an apron and we have a back apron and just everything was, and she said, I know. And I think what it means to me is that our people were here, our people knew Christ, and it's not forgotten. And I'm so happy to be a part of what is not forgotten and when I look at my traditional dress, I'm reminded th this is not just random. This isn't by chance. These, these are worn. Our mantas are worn like they're worn for a reason. Every, every piece that we put on is there for a reason. And it reminds me. And I love that. 
Mm-hmm. It connects you. Yes, it, it connects me with all of our forefathers that were here in the Americas when Christ came and visited. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know this was super brief, but I I just am so grateful that you came. It's been Thank so you. nice. Thank so, you. Thank you. So there are a few people that I have, um, that I am Facebook friends with, and they post um, good things all the time. I love reading their posts. I love reading their testimonies. I love how the gospel just just flows in and out of their daily lives, and that and their strength strengthens me. I love that they. They're just like, they just talk um, on Facebook about how much the scriptures mean to them or how much a particular scripture means to them or how they were talking to Heavenly Father in prayer or how um, somebody said something at church that really affected them. I love that. It makes me so happy and I am so grateful for that. I I really want to be like that. I I I know we've been asked to share, to use social media for good. And I love that. I love these examples in my life of doing that, of using social media for good. And so I just want to challenge you to do that this week. I want you to share something that you love about the gospel and how it affects your daily life. It doesn't have to be a long post or it could be a long post. It could be, um, a picture meme of a scripture or a, a just a wonderful picture. I would love it. And if you would tag me either um, Tribe of Testimonies or Andrea, you would totally make my day. I would love to see that. I, I just, I'm so grateful for the people that live the gospel and see the gospel in their lives. It's like the last general conference talk, seeing more of Jesus Christ in our lives. One of my favorite Um, lines from her talk. This was given by Sister Tracy Browning. One of my favorite lines from her talk was when she says, um, Jesus Christ is both the purpose of our focus and the intent of our destination. To help us remain fixed and heading in the right direction, the Savior invites us to see our lives through him in order to see more of him in our lives. I just, that was such a favorite quote of that talk. I'm so grateful. And thank you to all you who do that all the time. And I hope you have a super wonderful, awesome day. Tribe of Testimonies is not sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music is a traditional hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, arranged and performed by Kyle Forsyth. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear how this podcast is affecting you. And I'm always looking for guests. If you or someone you know would be a great guest, you can reach me at tribeoftestimonies at gmail.com.